Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. Thank you again for joining me this week. Today, I have a very new special friend to me. His name is Tracy Brinkman. Tracy, I'm excited to have you here. Where? How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm rocking it, man. I'm really excited to be here. It's awesome. Where are you tuning in from today? I'm just north of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the home of the Harley Davidson. I love those bikes. I've got to say. Me too. I, I know. I know your audience can't see us, but we got the long beard going here. So definitely <laughs> I'm a fan as well. I love it. I haven't been there yet, but one of the places I'd like to visit for sure. Today, Tracy, you know, I need to tell you a little bit about him. He is phenomenal, a phenomenal gentleman. He's also a fellow podcaster. I'm very proud to say. Um, <laughs> Tracy has gone from hitting the rock bottom of drugs divorce, bankruptcy, and even the death of an 18-month-old daughter, um, to running and planning and marketing some of corporate America's finest companies. He's also run his own company, helping business owners be seen. I love that. We all, we all thrive to be seen. Um, also, his podcast focused on driven entrepreneurs. Tracy is a business and success coach that realizes life isn't fair and participation awards to not feed your family or your drive to succeed. <laughs> Love that. This driven dark horse entrepreneur is looking to share all that he has learned and is still learning about starting, restarting, kickstarting and stepping up your entrepreneurial game all while not ignoring that amazing tool between your ears i love that i love that thank you so much tracy it's an honor to have you here today oh no it's my pleasure to be sure <laughs> i love um having fellow podcasters on and and supporting one another as well so that's phenomenal Absolutely. I think it's really cool. The, uh, the, the podcast community as a whole, I think, is very supportive of one another. And I, I believe that going into the, uh, the program we both went through. But then as I, I hang out on this new app called Clubhouse, yes. um, I've, been, I've been poking around the different uh, the rooms that really are podcast focused and meeting new faces that I had met before from all over the, this great spinning blue globe that we're on. And it seems to be a universal thing that podcasters are very supportive of one another. Maybe it's just we understand the pains, right? Yes. No, I love it. Thank you. So, Tracy, um, I know we've got a lot to talk about today, but can you start off by just telling us a little bit about who you are? 
Oh my goodness. Oh, God, 50 years on this planet. That's going to take a while, but I can give you the, I can give you the cliff notes version. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to be born uh, and raised by an amazing set of parents. My father was in the military for 23 years. So I got to see just about all of the United States. I think the one state I have yet to be in physically is Maine. All the rest of them I've been in or lived in, uh, spent six years of my youth uh, growing up in Germany. And then right out of high school, I joined the military and requested to go back to Germany. So I spent a total of like nine years over in Europe and really enjoyed it. Gave me a great under, a great exposure to not just an American culture, right? But all the different diversities inside our American culture and overseas, you know? Uh, so I really thank the Lord and count all my blessings for that. Um, it, you know, and I've been a hustler and I mean that in a good way uh, from day one. I mean, I, I probably had a, the entrepreneurial bug way back when I can remember being in elementary school and we would have this machine, you'd put a, a nickel in and it'd give you two or three pencils and it was pretty random whether it gave you two <laughs> or three. And so I would go and make sure that I had my nickel and I'd get my pencils and have them at the ready because I knew Sometime during the day or sometime during tomorrow's day, someone was going to need a pencil and we weren't allowed to leave class to go get one. So I would sell them my pencil for a quarter. Supply and, it's all about supply and demand, everyone. <laughs> it's the simple things, but the concepts are still there. Like They're, they're still there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. You know, and that that developed later on to, you know, selling drawings that I would do again, being in the military, I would draw, you know, birds of prey and, and military scenes. And then later on in my later teens, I got into working on cars, you know, doing the electronics and uh, paint jobs and pinstriping and all that kind of stuff. So I was always earning money in some sort of creative fashion, as long as I could remember. That's great. Very inspiring. Thank you. And thank you for your for your years of service. Oh, my pleasure to be sure. Very, very selfless. So thank you so much. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about some of the things that you've been through. Um, mm -hmm. And how you kind of you, you made it through what kind of mindset did you have to have to really, to really overcome some of the things that you've been faced with in your life? You know, it, it's a uh... That's a, a great question. Let me start there. And the mindset was different with each, um, I'll call it roller coaster, a dip in my life, uh, my life's roller coaster. So if we go back to the first one, which would have been the drug scene, uh, when I got out of the military, it was just about the, the time of the dot com boom. And I went back to Southern California and I took a, some newly gathered computer skills and I started doing computer consulting and computer programming for preferred, preferred provider organizations. Boy, I say that one three times fast, right? <laughs> Anyway, um, it was it was going well, you know. I was making some pretty good money, and uh, this was probably the first time in my life I was earning what I'll call real money, right? You know, I'm talking about real cash. And uh, um, but I hadn't taken the time because it happened so fast. I was I still had what I'll call a street mentality, right? I was still the surfer guy, the high school kid, I was still young in the head and which kept me around 
not a great crowd to be around when you have some money to spend because that uh, ended up putting me into bars and some of the bars where ladies wore less clothes than others. <laughs> and uh, that introduced me to uh, the speed, uh, the, uh, the drug of choice in Southern California at the time, uh, was, which was speed, which the first couple of times was awesome, you know, uh, and I, uh, please trust me, I do not condone doing drugs. Um, but what I mean by it being awesome was I was able to get so much done in a really short period of time, which opened me up to go out and party more. And that was this selfish mindset that kept me spinning in this cycle and got me hooked on drugs to the point where the business is kind of faded off into the distance. And now I was selling it to first off support my habit. Then I figured out I'm kind of good at this. Uh, and I could recruit others and manage them to do the same thing for me. Um, and I just sat back and collect the money. Not a career path I would tell anybody to take. Obviously, we've all seen the movies. But uh, I was out probably on a, I'll be honest, it was probably about a four-day party binge. Again, here come the selfish, right? And uh, when I get back to my condo, I see the doors kicked in, right? You pause. And when you're in that lifestyle and that environment, getting things stolen, getting things, you know, windows broken, cars, you know, Jimmy, whatever happens. You just accept it as part of the lifestyle. But when I walked into my condo, I was looking around and furniture was tossed around, clothes were strewn all over the place. Um, it was Fruity Pebbles with the cereal of my choice at the time, poured out onto the kitchen counter, boxes thrown around like someone was looking for something. And I come to realize the police had kicked in my door. I was on now on 5-0's radar. Not a good place to be. And so this became a bit of a turning point for me, right? Okay, do we continue down this selfish path? And I'll be honest with you, if it was just me, I may have said yes. I may have been arrogant enough in my youth to say, oh, I can, I can stay one step ahead of these guys. But I had a four-month-old baby that was new to the picture. So it was now, now as, I, as I turn back and reintroduce my father in this story, military man, family first, family first, pounded into my head. And luckily he had pounded that into my head because that's when I made the decision, family first, I got to stop being so damn selfish. And now I have a child to raise. So I went back to my parents or I went to my parents and, and said, I need help, right? Uh, I didn't go to rehab. I, I just wanted to do this cold turkey but I would need someone to watch over my child while I was recovering. Because when you come off something like speed, uh, you drop off fast and you play sleep for days. Right. Um, so, and that's what happened now. I, that, okay. You got out of it, Tracy. That's awesome. Well, the problem with something like this and anyone who's going through any issue, they'll understand where I'm going with this next is my self-confidence had taken a kick to the head. Sure, I still had my computer skills. I could go right back out there and start selling them, right? And get back in the money. But I no longer had the confidence to do that, right? So what I started doing at that point is, all right, I got to do something to earn money. So I was out there um, taking day jobs. You know, I'd go to a temp agency. Hey, here's my, I got all these skills, you know, do some computer programming. I actually started doing computer entry. I went and did an, uh, a warehouse job at Montgomery Wards, right? I just, I needed to do things to start get, building my confidence back up. 
And after it took about probably about six months, eight months or so, I felt like, okay, I'm ready to really re-enter the workforce. And I didn't go back the entrepreneurial route because of the, you know, the ups and downs that came with that got that new baby still. Uh, I put myself out through the corporate world and was lucky enough to get hired on at Coca-Cola. And that started my rise um, in corporate America. And uh, yeah, but it was all about turning from that selfishness and saying, all right, it's not just me. I've got to take care of both of us, right? Uh, at the same time in rebuilding that confidence through action to, uh, to get myself up to the point where I was ready to take on a a job, a real job. Wow, that's an incredible story. It's it's hard because when you're in that moment, like you're like you're saying, when you're in that moment and it feels great at the beginning. Yeah. You don't you're not thinking of getting out, you know, and you turned it into a bit of a business, right? Here you are, a businessman in hustling, you know. When you're good at one business, it's all the way around. You know all the elements. But it is what we tell ourselves, you know, and, and it's funny how our confidence just it just dips. And it's like when you give something up, you have to replace it with something else. Mm-hmm. Right. So for you, it sounds like you really hustled. You tried to get out there, um, tried to do all the things so that you could you could gain that. Yeah. And I think the other step and when it comes to and I'll say any kind of addiction. Right. Uh, while I was only addicted to one thing. You've got to completely disconnect, right? I, I, I left the environment entirely. Moved. Now, mind you, ge- uh, geographically, it was only sixteen miles, but that sixteen miles in the area I was at completely disconnected me from all the people that I was previously previously associated with. That's Plus, tough. I moved in with mom and dad, so now I had that further. I would never disrespect my mom and dad by bringing it into their home. Right. So that further drove it home that I can't. It's, it's complete uh, disconnect, which I think made me even more successful. Yeah, I could see it helping you, um, you know, cut and dry like cold turkey. But at the same time, you must have, you know, had days where you where you missed some of the people, you know, until you get further yeah. along in your path. And then you're kind of like, OK, you know, I'm relieved. Right. In a way. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think luckily enough, uh, social media wasn't around at the time. (laughs) So they're disconnected. But you're absolutely right. Uh, And not just the people, but some of the uh, some of the fun times. Right. You know, because uh, let's call it let's call it like it is going out and having fun with your friends is fun. Uh, Unfortunately, during that time in my life, it, it involved a, a drug, right? That was keeping me going. Uh, but if, if you take that away, I love going out and shooting pool. I love going out and listen to live music, right? And so the establishments I hung out in had live music and pool and I like women. So, you know, you, you put them all together and it's, it's just not a good mix. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's funny how, you know, when children come into the picture, we just, uh, our identity changes sometimes for for the better it's just our priorities and and just everything like you said became less selfish right Mm -hmm. so i love that but um can you tell me a little bit about uh, when i read when i read that you had lost a daughter Mm -hmm. um it broke my heart can you um if you feel comfortable enough can you share a little bit about your story Absolutely. It was, uh, it was during my rise in, in corporate America. Uh, my second daughter um, was coming to be, right? 
And uh, uh, at this point, I had just gotten hired on at a new role at Coca-Cola at headquarters. And so I had moved me from Southern California to Atlanta, which was, you know, which was awesome. Further disconnection, right? <laughs> but uh, um, so, but what happened when, when her name was Krista, when Krista was born, she was born with a distended abdomen. And for those who don't know what that means, it means if you, if you picture the cliche guy with a beer belly, imagine that on an infant, a big old belly coming out. And what had happened is like they said in her, like her first trimester of development, one of the arteries feeding her intestinal tract didn't fully develop. So it wasn't getting enough blood supply. So her large intestine where we're normally born, maybe 200 centimeters. Don't quote me on that, but it's, it's like that. She came out with like 20. All right. So she didn't have enough intestine. And, and so everything was backing up inside of her and causing her tummy to blow up. And then, you know, she went through six operations in the first three months of her life just to get her stabilized. And they were trying different things to give her enough intestinal tract to sustain life. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we eat, right? We chew our food and we swallow it and it goes down into our tummies and does its thing. Well, in your intestines is where that all gets absorbed. Well, she didn't have enough for her to eat and uh, to be absorbed enough for her to sustain life. So one of the operations they, uh, she had to go through is getting what's called a TPN line, which is total parental nutrition. And it's literally a bag of fluids that contains all the raw nutrients that we need to live. And it was, it, it was delivered through a, the main artery right into her heart. Well, the body being the amazing thing that it is, after she gets this installed, after a couple of months, her liver begins to deteriorate because the body's saying, hey, you're giving me all this amazing nutrition. I don't need to filter any of it. You don't need this liver, right? So now she needs a liver and small bowel transplant. They get her um, stabilized enough so she can get on the donor list. And while all this is going on, I'm out there, I'll say preaching. <laughs> I'm out there uh, getting on any stage and preaching the benefits of being an organ donor, right? From my perspective, it's an awesome thing. And uh, I would talk to anyone that would listen and probably a few people that didn't want to listen. They heard it anyway. Um, so I was getting out there uh, every stage, you, you name it. I got on some TV stations and et cetera, radio stations, et cetera. Um, in the meantime, the doctors uh, down in Atlanta say, you know, the best place for her surgery is up in Pittsburgh. You know, the children's hospital, that's where the top-notch surgeons for this very specific operation is at. Okay, so mom and the baby go up to Pittsburgh, me and my oldest from the previous story, we stay in Atlanta and we're flying up to Pittsburgh, you know, every weekend or two to, to visit. Um, about month 17, um, we were out just you know, going around, you know, walking around the town to get out of the hospital for a little while. Uh, the baby couldn't leave, so she stayed in. One of the not nurses, but one of those lady, uh, they used to call them candy stripers. I'm not sure what the, what the good term is or... now. The volunteers, right? Unfortunately, lost control of the baby and she fell on her head. All right. 
we won't go there. That's it, it, it happened, right? And unfortunately, so now she's already in a weakened state. Now she's trying to heal this huge banana-shaped hematoma on her head. And at that point, her health began taking this really fast downward slide. Uh, a couple of weekends after that, and anyone who's a parent will know exactly what I'm about to say. You walk into a room and you see your child and you just know something is wrong, right? The look on their face, there's something different in their eyes. Maybe it's just a heart connection, whatever it is. One weekend I went up there and I, I had that and uh, waiting for the doctor to do the rounds. And I was asking the doctor, I says, let me ask you a question. If the organs became available, like right now, do you think she would survive the operation? I got a lot of doctor speak. And I, I, okay, let me, I, no joke, grabbed him by this, you know, the, the coat, the white coat we all know, um, pulled him into a janitor's closet right outside her room. And I said, look, it's just you and me, right? Mono a mono. No hospital administrators, no insurance companies. Re asked the question. And I finally got the answer no, I don't think she would survive. Not the answer I want, but now I know. So the next question becomes, do you think her health would improve to the point where she would survive? Unfortunately, he couldn't, he didn't feel with any kind of certainty that her health would improve given everything she was going through and had been through. So now you've got this choice. You leave her on the respirator, which right now at that moment in time, I was asking the question, um, was the one thing that was keeping her alive. It was you know, allowing her to breathe. All the rest of her functions were okay, but she, she was too weak to even breathe. So having gone through my selfish time, right? And we just, the story I just told, uh, I felt that if I was going to keep her here on that ventilator, it would be for me, right? And that's it, right? Even though I know she was in pain. So I chose not, well, I say I, we, um, her mom and I, decided to remove the ventilator, literally wrapped her up in her favorite blankie. I sat down in the rocking chair in her room and I rocked her to sleep one last time. And is, uh, hold on, sorry. <laughs> as hard as sometimes telling the story is, I'm very thankful for A, having her in my life, even for the short period of time she was here. And for having that, that rocking her to sleep one last time moment because it allowed me to tell her thank you for all the amazing things she had taught me the short time she was here you know how short life really is loved ones you know love the you want people that are here now tell everyone you love them every single day even if they're like okay i get it you love me uh, tell them anyway right because you never know and she also taught me to look at i you know, look at life through a different set of eyes um, she had this amazing, I'm sorry if I'm babbling on too, no. please feel free to flag me down. She had this amazing little habit. Um, even though she, with all the things she was going through, she was still a normal baby, right? Checking things out, curiosity, but she had this little thing. You, you've seen the movie E.T. Okay. That one scene where Elliot's hurting and E.T. reaches out yes. with his finger and it lights up. Well, Krista used to do that same thing. Now, she didn't heal things, obviously, but she would reach out. When she, whenever she saw something that she had never seen before, she would reach out with that finger. doesn't matter whether it was a piece of food, a puppy, uh, an animal, and she would touch it with that finger. Once she touched it, 
that was her signal that was okay. And you grab it, it was in her mouth, whatever it was, you know, babies do. And I, I was always amazed watching her do all these things and investigate all these things, knowing full well, she was in a lot of pain most of the time. On her face, you didn't know it, right? She always had big, big blue eyes, big bright smile, look just golden blonde hair and a tan. Now the tan of, unfortunately was from jaundice, but she still looked very, she was your cliche Gerber baby. I have a picture uh, of her. It looks like she's the, the exact same face as the Gerber baby that you see on all the, the, uh, the advertisements. Anyway, uh, I was lucky enough, like I said, to, you know, tell her thank you for teaching me all these things, you know, and almost making my own father daughter promise to her to make sure to live up to that. And that's what I've done. You know, I, it, it, going forward, coming out of that, because I knew from my previous story, the dark path that I could turn down to try and numb myself would have been really easy to find a source of a drug to self-medicate myself from the pain, right? Uh-uh, I didn't, I didn't want to go on a selfish path. So my mindset was, look, I have to find something that would replace this pain. Like you said, you take away something, something's got to take its place. And I, uh, I threw myself into work, not always a great thing. Um, and then I threw myself into personal development, right? I, I read everything from Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn and every, you know, all the names. And I was going to all the, this was back when, you know, they were doing those, they would do those big three-day events, right? I went to all of them every single one of them. And I, I absorbed and I started, you know, putting into action the things I was learning. And that really rocketed my career at, uh, you know, within corporate America. I got, there was one period when this happened that I got like, like five promotions in four years. And it was really just from doing the things that, you know, that I get on my pod, podcast and preach about here, do this, do that. You know, all those simple things and, and learning all that stuff to keep my head focused in the right direction. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that, that was a big turning point for me. I'm a little bit speechless um, hearing your story about your daughter. Um, thank you for being courageous enough to talk to us about her. And I'm sure she, she did teach you so much. And um, it sounds like you are a tremendous loving father. I am so sorry that you went through that. I, I absolutely try. You know, I think uh, as parents, we all wish we could be better, but uh, uh, I think I did okay. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like she was very curious when you talk about the finger and oh, my it just... <laughs> I've been, you know, my parents raised me to, you know, uh, make my own mistakes, right? They were like, you can try anything, you can do anything you set your mind to. So, you know, a, a lot of times parents are like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna block everything off from the, no, 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 no. Keep an eye on them. Don't get me wrong, right? You know, if there's a fireplace there, don't let them go over there and touch the hot glass that's, you know, on, on top of the fire place but certainly teach them their limits and allow them to explore and you know i think that helps people continue that exploration as they get older yes. whereas if you, if you put them in that little safety box yeah that's great when they're babies but what happens when they're an adult and they're like 
where, where's my safety box? It can, it's true, <laughs> but it can be scary. My son's 14 now and I'm like, okay, how much, you know, how much do I, Yeah. with COVID, it's kind of made the decision for me because the poor guy, I feel bad for him. He, he's not going right. anywhere. Right. But it's tough, you know, but you've definitely, um, had some really tough times and, and you keep bouncing back, you know, and you talk about mindset and, and just the things that we tell ourselves, what would you say is the biggest gift that you've ever given to yourself that perhaps changed the way you felt about who you are? Oh, I think the biggest gift I gave myself would have been the simple thought that I'm worthy. And, and it, you know, it seems like, well, yeah, duh, you're worthy. Look, you did all these amazing things. No, no, stop for a second. Even after um, my daughter passed away and I'm doing all these, you know, great self-development things and I've got this great career taken off in corporate America, um, as things progressed on, uh, I started traveling in a different path than the woman I was married to at that time, right? So as I traveled my path, she stayed where she was at. She liked, she liked who she was and what things, right? That was good. Change, not good. This good. It's funny how that happens sometimes with spouses. Yeah, because one moves forward and the other one is growing and the other one is kind of comfortable and not really wanting to change, right? Yeah. And, And sometimes when that happens, one or both will want to grab hold tighter than necessary, right? And I learned an amazing lesson. There's only one person on this planet you can change. And that's the person that you look at in the mirror. That's it. I can't change anybody. I can't change you. I can give you some suggestions, maybe even some guidance. But if you choose not to, good. All right. I tried, right? Um, And so the last decade of our marriage uh, was really probably me thinking I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of someone better than this. I'm not worthy to step out into the, uh, we'll call it the uh, dating atmosphere. Um, And plus I was trying to deliver to my two daughters. I had one more daughter after, you know, Krista passed away. So my now two daughters. So my first daughter that I I say saved my life. And then one after that, Um, the, what the what I call a blessing of having both parents at least through high school. Uh, my parents were together to the day uh, until the day they passed away. So my whole life, my parents were together, right? And so many of the parents I'd seen around were you know splitting up for one reason or another. And I don't know if I did them any justice because obviously towards the end there were some real battles, and, and you know. I won't say everything, every, anything ever got physical, but certainly it was right on that edge where you're like, oh my God, are they going to start swinging at each other? And it was not a conducive uh, of being a kid, right? I had two extreme, my, my daughters are amazing women, thank God, thank goodness. And uh, probably no love, <laughs> <laughs> probably not because of me, but anyway, but you know, when it got to the point uh, that probably about a year or two before we finally Uh, went our separate ways. I just was looking around thinking, you know what? As soon as my youngest graduates high school, I know what's going to happen. She's going to go off with her boyfriend. She's been dating for a couple of years and he's an amazing guy. I love him to death. Um, 
I'm going to say that's it, where I'm, I'm stepping out because I'm worthy. And that was a big change. Um, and when that, when that, and that's pretty much how it happened, right? Graduated high school within a month. Now, it was, no, let me, probably, it was graduating high school. And then by the following February, it was like, all right, uh, dad, me yeah. and we're going to go off over here. And I'm, hey, I get it. It's all good. You're, yeah sometimes uh, we know what we need but we don't yeah. we just i just did a solo episode on giving yourself permission and we know and it's either it's not really fear but we want to take care of all the people in the family you know we want yeah. when this person is okay then i'll take care of me when yeah. this you know when all these things are in order then it'll be my turn you yeah. know and, and Although that makes sense in our minds, sometimes it's not very helpful because we lose a part of ourselves. Yeah. I, you know, from experience, I'm not answering for you, but, um, yeah. and we also just, yeah, we start to um, perhaps say things in our minds that aren't true about ourselves. So we lose our confidence, our self-worth, all those things because we're putting ourselves last, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, there's a song out there that says, no, I won't let anybody talk to me. Or I, I talk to myself worse than I talk to my best friend. What's up with that? You know, and I, I think it, it probably, what's sad is it's probably really true. If I think back to my self-talk prior to that moment where I said, you know what? Screw this. I'm worthy and started stepping up to the plate and being who I felt I was worthy enough to be. Uh, I, I had some pretty awful self-talk and mind you, like I said, I had been to all the seminars and read all the books and been putting into place, but that one thing still hadn't clicked. Right. And it, it, that was that one thing, like you were saying, I I'm worthy. I, I'm worthy of it. And, and right behind that, when I, you know, when it, this, the separations happen, it's all good. Uh, I sat down, you know, I'm a big avid, I'm a big goal setting man. Right write down your goals, break them down, kind of goes with my computer brain. <laughs> <laughs> but I decided to do something completely different. And at the same time, after I wrote down, here's what I want to do kind of with my life, my career, etc. I, I wrote down the same, a, a goal for the woman I would like to meet. And I sat down, and, okay, good for let, you. I, I, I will be honest. I did the guy thing. Yeah, I'd like her to be this skinny and blonde and blue eyed and yada 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 right but then when i got when i got past that surface stuff it was like i wanted to have a good heart you know i want us to have at least 80 percent in common enough differences makes it interesting yes absolutely huh? you know but certainly she's got that love good hard rock and roll music gotta love live music right gotta be willing to let me be me and I'll let her, you know what I'm saying? All those oh, yeah. little things that you're like, well, of course, but how many of us give up a good chunk of those because we meet someone that's just cute. Oh man, she's so hot. Right. And yeah. she said yes to go on a date with me. And you're like, next thing you know, y'all are getting married. And you're like, yeah, but my wife's hot. Yeah. But she <laughs> hates you. And she doesn't want to go out and she doesn't want to do anything, right? or which is okay her. if you're the yeah. same way. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and what's, what's really amazing about this, and I'll wrap this one up really cool, is that I wrote all that down and it was probably within six months. I want to say it was four, but I don't want to exaggerate. Within six months, I started talking with the woman who's now my wife and 
she's everything that I wrote down plus, which is completely amazing. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes we meet that person that's 80%, you know, all the, you know, similarities. And even then, over time, I find that one, maybe, so one of the two people perhaps start, uh, like you said, start changing in a different direction and the Mm -hmm. other one just stays the same. And even though you start with all those similarities, that can happen. So if you don't start with all those things in common, where do you begin? It's just... But I love that I love that you gave yourself that gift, you know, because um, it's true. I think we judge ourselves more than we judge anybody, even with simple things, Um, even if what's a simple thing, Um, even if, you know, I've I've screwed up at work. If it was my friend, Mm -hmm. I would say, you know what, you're human. They'll understand all these things. Right. You try to be all these things. And then to yourself, you're like, oh, great. You know, it's it's we're so, so hard on ourselves. It's crazy, isn't it? But yes. the more we do that, not only do we feel horrible about who we are, but then we, you know, we, we turn people away. Nobody wants to be friends with somebody who's always uh, down on themselves, you know? So mm-hmm. it, it just creates this circle of, you know, this ripple effect can, of doom, right? You can actually take that one step further because I don't disagree with you, right? Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. a lot of folks that don't want to be with that person that's like that. However, those that are willing to be with a person li- that are like that are like that. Yes. Right? So you find the guy, oh, I just lost my job. Oh, what was me? What was me? And he goes down to the corner bar and he's <laughs> sitting down there with what? A bunch of other guys that are sitting there going, I just lost my job. Oh, what was me? Oh, what was Misery me? loves company. Right. Or that one guy that's sitting there going, I hate my job. I hate my job. I have my job. You guys are lucky. You don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, right? The way we think and the way that we we treat ourselves is so different. And I would really like more people to learn how to do that differently. Right. You know, I love that that was one of the gifts that you gave yourself. Thank you. Because I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are listening that, you know, perhaps are doing that to themselves, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how can you get through difficult times and how can you get through um, horrible situations when you don't, um, when you don't think highly of yourself, you know, it's, it just makes it harder to move forward. Right. You know, like in your experience, so, you know, you've been through a divorce and you've been through all these things um, and you mentioned bankruptcy as well. Yeah. Besides, you know, feeling self-worth, is there anything else that really that you feel really helped you overcome these things? You know, it was uh, and it comes for me, it comes with self-worth, but there's that self-love factor as well. Right. And First off, I think you do have to love yourself. Um, I think Brian Tracy said it best when he says, um, you can't give any more than you have. You've got to fill, and we were talking about this earlier, you've got to fill your cup in order to help others, right? And, and that's a big thing in the personal development arena. It's like, okay, I'm going to go do all these amazing things and I'm going to help others. Well, you got to do you first, right? And if you only have your cup filled up to line five out of 10, well, then you can't give any more than five. And trust me, when your line drops down to one, the ability to give really uh, just dwindles and you're like lethargic. It can make you sick. It does. And the same thing comes with working. So you can really liken those two. People are like, okay, 
I know I can get this much done in 40 hours. So I'm going to work 60 hours. Nonsense. I'm just going to, I'm going to go after it. Well, what happens is after about hour 52, your ability to be productive drops radically. I mean, if we look at that bell curve, it, it's just a steep decline. You know, I think the first after you know, hour 53, it drops 50%. And then it just keeps nosediving after that. So you're really doing twice as much and only getting half as much. Yeah, the done. productivity is just <laughs> Yeah. So the same thing happens with your ability to give if you don't refill your own tank, right? Your, your worthiness tank, your self-love tank, whatever you want to call it, your giving tank by taking care of you. And I mean that in all the, the great senses, sleep, you know, a little bit of exercise, doesn't hurt nobody. And I don't mean going out there and banging out weights. You can get up and walk around your house. That's fine, right? It's movement is what does it. Stand up and just, you know. Dance wiggle. to the oldies. Exactly. Thank you. Put on a Michael <laughs> Love Jackson old rock song. And roll. Yeah, right. You put on some C -C -C Earth, Wind, and Fire. CCR. Come on. There you go. Okay, cool. Credence. I can go with that too. And you just you 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 start. All right, I got this. Yeah. Moving right, and then of course a little self love. You know, and listen to that voice inside your head telling you all those good things. For me, uh, what really helped with that was I started journaling like a madman mm. in the morning. I would write down things, what I would remember about my dreams. I read this big book about dreamscaping and what have you. So I tried to roll. I'm not getting it all woo-woo on you, but whatever <laughs> I would remember about my dreams and then what I wanted to do and what my goals were. And then at the end of the day, I would kind of write down kind of a, here are the things I got accomplished, right? I would focus on that. Here are the and I tried to do at least a three to one. Here are the three things I made sure I got it accomplished. Here's one thing didn't go the way I wanted to. And maybe here's why it didn't happen. So now was, I was, at, I was you, know, uh, you know, acknowledging the world's not perfect, right? It's not always going to go the way you want it to. But sometimes it is your fault. Mm. Right? Yes. The reason that didn't get done is because I didn't pick up the phone and call the guy. Can't make a sale if you don't make a phone call. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It doesn't make me bad. It just means, all right, that's me telling myself tomorrow if I want to get that done, I better dang well pick up the phone. Yes. Right? We have to do our part. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I talk about, you know, when I was anxious and depressed for, for many years, I kept waiting for somebody to come and rescue me. Why me can't, <laughs> yeah. Why can't people see that I'm suffering? Why can't people see that I haven't woken up in how long and I haven't, I'm mm -hmm. not getting up and I'm not happy and I'm miserable and blah, blah, blah. And then I felt like I was trapped in this birdcage. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, and I have a birdcage at home that actually reminds me of this, but I realized that the birdcage opens from the inside, the one that I have. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I started taking responsibility for myself and showing an example to my son, you know, I can't do all these, you know, not take care of myself but yet teach him different like they see you know what we're doing yeah. right i mean they watch everything and so i really had to figure out how to do it for myself i had to want it and sometimes though when you're in that dark place the last thing you can do is have the energy to get out of it yourself so it's a mm. fine line you know but yeah, i but through right. my yeah through my experiences though i try to remember that because it's it's like it's like with anything you can't help an alcoholic to stop drinking unless they want to stop. it's like you know it's 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 everything and it, it's so tough because 
Um, I don't know about you, but for me, when I was growing up, you know, I grew up in a um, European household. My parents were immigrants and, you know, I'm a young Portuguese girl. You know, you're not to stop. You're to, to make dinner and you're to clean and you're to do mm -hmm. this and you're to do that. And um, it wasn't um, it wasn't OK to just take care of yourself just because that's the way it was. It wasn't through a place of, you know, hatred or anything like that. Um, and so I grew up not really feeling like it was okay you know it was conceded mm -hmm. to take care of myself it was all these mm -hmm. horrible connotations around it but now when i'm busying myself my mom will come to me and say why can't you just sit down like you know and i'm like well thanks mom you know like i've realized now this you now. say that <laughs> i've realized this like three four years ago thank you but it's so true you cannot give what you don't have you know we like to give a lot in our community but you can't if it's if it's going to drain everything that you have, mm -hmm. you have to be able to do for others, but do for yourself. It wasn't until a few years ago that I realized that whole, you know, put on your mask for like on the airplane. You're yeah. I, I'm like, that's so dumb, you know, for a long time. Yeah. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. How selfish yeah. are these people? And then, I, you know, I thought about it and thought about it. And I'm still, you know, it took me a while. And I'm like, well, yeah, like, let's play this out. Okay, we're on a plane, you know, and I had to really think about it. It was, yeah. it was crazy how much I didn't, didn't want to accept it at first, you know, I was resisting, mm -hmm. just didn't make any, any common sense to me. But now it's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, and there's a lot of those, I think, subconscious things, uh, suppositions that are happening inside our head that are helping uh, our conscious make those quick decisions for us you know those things that just happen instantly like well why do i do that <laughs> yeah you know, why why do i put that mask on them first I, that why it's a child why i need to take care of them first no 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 if you're dead you can't help them right or if you pass out let's be nice right <laughs> if you pass out you can't help them and what if they can't do the mask by themselves you got to take care of you mm. and then pass it on and it, it really is like that if you just take it to the uh, the money level right let's say i want to earn enough money well the first thing you need to have enough money is to put clothes on your back food in your belly and a roof over your head okay once you have that handled well then now you want to bring someone else into the picture a spouse a child whatever well now you gotta raise a raise the bar because we especially in the early years, you, they're, they're going to take a lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. And then in the later years too, anyway. So, you know, and then, so you got to be able to replenish that if you think it from a bank account standpoint, but now the bank account is inside of you, be it energy, uh, physical and mental energy. You know, it, it never ceases to amaze me when I uh, hear of or engage with a parent that says, you know, I don't understand my kid have you taken the time have you, you listened talk, when they speak <laughs> do you talk to them you know i mean well they just won't talk to me well go sit down on their bed and and it's, i just i just did a podcast on this about um and it just popped out of my head a thought i was going the podcast for the week we're going to be going in a completely different direction and something my daughter did made me think of oh my god Every, for me, every child is one caring adult away from success, right? right? Mm. That's all it really takes. It takes one adult, it doesn't have to be their parent, one adult in that child's life to show them they're important, that what they think matters. For me, it right? was my music then, teacher. 
See, it was my English teacher originally. Not my, and again, I had great parents, but we, there was there was a time my parents had to leave me in Germany because an emergency situation in the family in the United States. I was like 13, you know, maybe 12. It was right around that range. So I was old enough to take care of myself, especially back then, right? And I was a latchkey kid. So I wasn't, it wasn't like I couldn't, but then there was like, when you're a kid and you're you're a latchkey kid, you you go home and you know to do your chores and do your homework and sometimes even make dinner for parents when they get there. But you know if something happens, your parents are a phone call away, right? There's that safety net. My parents were in another country. There's a fear factor there, and I was trying to be I was trying to be the brave man. I'm the little man of the house for two weeks while my parents. But at are gone. 12, 13, you are so still yeah, young. Yeah, you're yeah. dealing with fear in a different way. And my thank goodness, my English teacher saw that. And she always she came over and she engaged with me and chatted chatted me up. Uh, she learned my um my love for fantasy and she turned me on to uh, Ray Bradbury, the author, uh, in a book called The Tattoo Man. And it was a series of short stories that are told via obviously a tattooed man sitting on a bench somewhere in a, in a park or whatever. And each story was someone looking at one of his tattoos and him them being drawn into that tattoo. And it told, told that story. And I, it got me hooked on books and those books got me through that tough time as a kid. Um, so, which is probably what influenced me later on when my daughter passed away to find something to get me get me through the tough time but again it's you know i think everyone's one person away you know a child is one adult away i think we're all one person away from being successful and sometimes that person is you yeah well, you know through through my interviews too on the show um there's always that one sometimes two but usually there's that one person in everybody's story that has given them the courage or the bravery or the guts, anything to, to make that change. And, mm -hmm. and the story of them before and after they met that person, completely different transformation. Sometimes mm -hmm. too with teenagers, I know my son doesn't like to talk very much, but I try to pay attention to what he's not saying. See, so some, you get it. It's, it's the things, you know why? And I think I get it because that was me. So yes, I talk on the podcast, but I'm quite, quite a quiet person. Um, in general, um, and I would keep all my feelings inside for so long, mm -hmm. 12 years. I was just like trying to protect everybody else around me yeah. when my dad died. Um, I thought it was, I was helping myself, you know, I would save my energy to rescue everyone else. And then I would yep. be so like in the pits after, but I had wished all those years because I felt locked in that cage that people would listen to what I wasn't saying. Mm -hmm. So I know it's a thing, yeah. you know? So I worry more when teens or when kids are not speaking than if they're speaking, even if their stuff coming out of their mouth is like, ah, you know, and you're gasping, I would rather hear that than hear silence. Cause to me, the silence is very scary. It is the scariest. Um, uh, brief story, if we still have time. Of course, yes. Uh, about, uh, about, at about the age of 16, my oldest daughter, uh, the one that was born during the uh, the whole drug scene, right. um, was going through some pretty aggressive battles with my then wife, mm -hmm. right? The one where we were going separate ways. And um, some family, and we were living in Atlanta, some family in California said, hey, she's 16. Have her come on out here, live with us, finish her high school, 
get her all out of that battle mode where the two of them i mean they were they were going at it it was uh it was it was ugly we'll just leave it at that and uh you know and so for me i felt she was old enough to choose right hey she could have where we lived she could have literally walked out the door, door at 16 and yeah. i have no legal recourse right hey she's 16 whatever um and so I wanted to afford her the opportunity, especially to finish high school and be amongst someone I know loved her. And so she chose, yeah, hey, give it a shot. Hey, California. Oh, what's up with that? Right. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, let's go. Um, and so what I did is I, I, I bought her, she used to love to write poems. And I bought her this really nice leather bound journal with a wolf. And I think I got it at the Renaissance Festival. So it's very medieval and everything. And on, uh, when you opened it up, obviously on the, the, the cover, I wrote a message to her, right? Pretty, you know, trying to, a, a nice send off thing. And I gave it to her. And I never heard about this journal again until about three weeks ago. Uh, she has gone back to college most recently to get her degree. And I think she's uh, 35 now. Uh, and I'm like, super proud. No, she finished high school, and but she just went, she started going on the mom path, right? And uh, you know, she's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back to school. I'm like, awesome. on, go for it, right? And, uh, you know, so she's taking this English lit class and she sent me, she goes, I, I want to share with you this assignment that I did. And it, in this assignment, this English assignment, she was asked to write about one of one of the writings that most impacted her. And Aww. one of the writings that most impacted her was the message I wrote in that, in that journal back then. And as a result of that, she started releasing her angst into that journal via poetry. And her poetry went from, you know, just being our angry teenager to uh, just uh, acknowledging things around her. And it turned to more beauty, which probably did her a whole lot of good, but she had never, ever told me about that. So I didn't know about it. And I read this poem that she wrote. And if I had it handy, I would read it. She gave me permission to, but I don't, I don't have it handy. And I want to make you wait. I bawled like a baby. I, I just, I was wept tears. I don't mind it, waiting. It's, it's one of those, it's one of those moments. Yes. As a parent where you're going, oh my God, everything I did, you heard. Oh, you know? what a beautiful moment. And, and the it fact that it amazing. helped to heal her. And at that time, you know, whether she used it or not, you know, like, I'm going to give this to her. I'm hoping that she's going to do something with it. And knowing right. after all these years later that it did help her oh. as a teen, it helped her get through all those things. That's beautiful. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Writing is so important. You know, sometimes people make fun of it, but it's also the art of physically writing as opposed to typing it out. It's very um, yes. therapeutic as well. But I've always been, I've always been that guy. It's like, you know what, no matter what you're going through, I'm going to be here for you one way or the other, even if it's just to say, you know, I disagree with what you did, but I understand why you did it. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, as long as they right. understand why. I don't, you know, it's when people are, oh, I did this, or I believe in this, or I don't believe in this, but I can't give you a reason why. You know, as long as you understand your opinion, yeah. understand the reason behind your opinion, but. <sighs> All right. I may weep at this, that's so okay. be ready for it. 
Okay. Okay. So obviously I told you about the, the, the journal and I wrote the thing in this book. So the first poem she wrote, she wrote on the plane ride from Atlanta to California. And this is it. All right. The only man any girl can trust hates to see her grow, but knows he must. The games they played in his heart, her smile has stayed. She looks to him with questioning eyes. Oh God, here it comes. <laughs> he doesn't know where the answer lies a silent tear then falls and echoes through the halls she turns and boards the plane knowing nothing will ever be the same pulling out the journal he gave her not knowing what is ahead and so unsure she knows she will miss him <clears throat> but she must go on and learn to swim oh my god i'm like teary now thanks know, tracy right? <laughs> That is so beautiful. Oh. And it puts you in that moment of what she felt like it as a young girl. Yeah. That is absolutely yeah. beautiful. She should publish yeah. that. That's beautiful. She uh, she has since started writing all kinds of stuff. And yeah. it's very heartfelt. And you can, it just tells the story. It, it really, it does. It, it, it does. It, it just, oh, wow. I'm so <laughs> glad that she shared it with you. What a gift. Yeah, I, I'm blessed. And you know, again, she wrote Aww. another one here recently. She was talking about you know, you know, whose advice and she was saying about she was she reflected on uh, every time she would come home with a grade that most a lot of parents would say, oh, you could do better than that. I was always coming at it from a different angle. I always come. Well, let's look at the ones you got right. OK, you got those. OK, now here's one you got wrong. Let's find out what it real what what the a what the right answer is and why you might have mistaken you know the right answer for this one because there's usually a reason why you're thinking what you thought you, and the reason could be i didn't study okay got it you didn't study as long as you understand it we're good keep going that's it then, yeah then then you just know the next time you need to study but if you did study and you still got it wrong well, let's figure out why so that you can move on and the, for me, the idea was, let's not browbeat you, and I don't want you to browbeat yourself that you got that wrong. Let's figure out why, get the right answer, and move on. It's done. Exactly. I love that attitude. That's that's great. I do the same thing, too, here, and sometimes it's like, well, I don't want to work out the wrong answer, you know, and I get that backlash. But as long as, you know, figure it out, or if you don't want me to help you, figure it out to the point where uh, right. when it happens again, you don't feel stuck, you know? So yeah. my son like would admit to me because he's, he's a fairly good student and he's like, I'm really upset with myself. He's more down about it than anybody else. And mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I've never given you a hard time, right? About your marks because I think, you know, you do your best and all these things. And he's like, yeah, but it just doesn't make sense to me. I'm starting to feel like less confident and all these things mm -hmm. that you were talking about and all these thoughts that we give to ourselves, you know, yep. Yep. and it was the smallest thing that he just didn't understand being virtual, you know, just one thing. And then yep. he's like, yeah, I got 100 on, on the test today. I figured out what it was. It wasn't a big deal, you know? But it's those moments <laughs> that you want to help them and they don't let you help. So it's beautiful because I would love to be able to, you know, I think every parent would love to be able to be inside the heads of their teenagers. <laughs> so the fact that you can now look back and, and mm -hmm. read that, and it's yeah. like, oh, even if I did just this one thing right, like, thank goodness you know and Absolutely. i would love to have a moment like that at some point in my life <laughs> i'm with, sure you will <laughs> with my son you know so that's phenomenal
I really appreciate, you know, I just met you today, but I feel proud of you because you have been through a lot. A couple of things, yeah. And <laughs> each one of those things could have sent you on a spiral downhill. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard. It's it is very hard when you're at that when you're at your lowest to change your mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's almost Absolutely. like we learn lessons along the way. So well, God willing. Yeah. So I know it's weird hearing hearing uh, hearing that, but because we've just met. But I hope that you're proud of yourself because you've done well. You know, I think it's phenomenal. I am. I am. I'm. I'm lucky enough to say that you hear a lot of folks coming to you and saying, you know, if you could go back and restart your life at any point, would you, ah, you, you, you weigh that the pros and cons with that. You know, I'm kind of proud of the man I am today. I've done things I haven't, that I am not a proud of. Okay. I did them. I, I've moved on. I've learned the lesson. So would I go back and change anything? I don't think so. Right. Cause then I would be somebody different and I may not have, that amazing girl that wrote that poem for me, right? Or I may not have experienced being to learning the lessons from that little girl that was only with me for a short period of time. I, all these amazing things I did learn, I might not learn. I might not, I might turn into a jerk. I don't want to be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. It, life is, um, you can't be prepared. You know, you really can't. It's true. Yeah. It's true. So that's, yeah, no, it's great. I, I really like your podcast. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that the listeners should give it a, give it a shot. It's called the dark horse entrepreneur. You can find it anywhere. I believe. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll be pretty much anywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Uh, Tracy and I started our journey in podcasts around the same time. So we, uh, we all try to support each other, but honestly, it's a really good show. You'll learn lots of things uh, by listening and being a part of his community. I really appreciate meeting you today and I appreciate you coming on and sharing with us some of these, you know, difficult and vulnerable stories. But in those stories, um, I think you really help the audience with how to move forward, how to overcome and how to be okay with with um, yourself, you know, Absolutely. just loving yourself. Because honestly, I you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that we can, as human beings, overcome things when we hate ourselves. No, no, you tend to dive deeper into them and on in the wrong manner. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's so easy to get lost in in the darkness. You know, as we both know. And, Abs- and absolutely. Yeah. So you know, and if you're listening out there right now, and uh, perhaps you know you're you haven't gone through anything, you know tremendously difficult but you know of somebody who has be that person that is listening to what's not being said you know be that person that um can say something nice about somebody else you know notice what's happening around you Mm -hmm. you know share yeah absolutely be that one person like i said i've been lucky enough to have at least that one person so if you can be that one person for somebody else man go for it yeah it can really change your life it can give you your life back Yes. And theirs too. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. It's so true. People ask me too, you know, do you regret having those 12 years where you were just not involved in your life? And I'm like, well, yes, I wouldn't want to go through all the pain that I went through. But at the same time, like you, Tracy, I wouldn't feel the way I feel about myself now. 
This is true. You know, we might not be podcasters. We might not be speaking about our feelings. We might not, you know, it's true. Like I think, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to evolve and, and, um, bring people along with us and hopefully we can all help each other. Amen. That's what I'm here for. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to, you know, tell everybody where to find you. I know that you've got your Facebook group. Yep. You also have the darkhorseschooling.com and your Facebook uh, group is, is called the same thing, correct? It's called the Dark Horse Tribe. Tribe. So people can just go on, be a part of the community. Come on in and jam with us. Uh, we got a bunch of other driven entrepreneurs in there. <laughs> if you're thinking about starting, restarting, and kickstarting your uh, entrepreneurial game, come on in. Let's learn something. Well, oh, sounds great. I love the attitude you have behind business as well. And you definitely have the experience to back it up. So, yeah, guys, if you want to learn more about Tracy, you know where to find him. Um, thank you so much. I was so happy to to have met you today and to speak a little bit about, you know, all the things, right? <laughs> that Absolutely. We go- it's my pleasure. My pleasure, for sure. Was there anything that we didn't touch on today that you wanted to get out there? No, I think we're good. And if you want to learn more about uh, little old me, like you said, uh, darkhorseschooling.com, all the socials are up there on the page. You can connect with me any way you like. Okay. Thank you so much, Tracy. And I wish you a, a whole bunch of success and uh, keep thinking good things eh, about yourself because uh, you're incredible. You know, I will. You're incredible. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.